The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Night. That is a great song. Well, I invite your attention this morning to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through 25. It was where we were a couple weeks ago, but we're going to look at it from a different aspect this morning. And if you're visiting with us or you don't have your Bible, that's page 805 in the Pew Blue Pew Bible. Page 805. It doesn't say page 805 because they don't number the first page of the New Testament, which is a whole thing we'll have to get into someday. But it is page 805 if you're looking that way. Um, and as I start here, just as you're turning, I just want to take a moment to, if I may, to take a pastoral privilege uh, just to say thank you on behalf of our family uh, for the last couple of weeks. Many of you have expressed and uh, both materially and, and spiritually your prayers and, and gifts to us with the birth of our son, Seth. Uh, he is doing well. Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the Goliath in the NICU, if you will. Uh, at, at eight pounds, he's uh, holding pretty, pretty strong, so... Uh, he did get food for the first time on Thursday after a week after he had his rectal surgery, uh, and everything is entering fine and exiting fine, if I can use those words. So that's a praise, guys. That's a good thing. So thank you for your prayers. If all goes well in God's providence, we should be home. Uh, he should be home, especially uh, within the next few days. So uh, that's a great praise. So, uh, and, and Maisel, wherever you are, Maisel informed me that they had a friend that had that surgery, a niece, that same surgery 35 years ago, Maisel. So this is not an uncommon problem, just had never heard of it until it comes up. So thank you so much for all your prayers and your well wishes, and especially your, uh, just uh, lifting us up before the Father. It has been greatly appreciated. All right. Well, with that said, I also want to thank you all so much for the privilege it was. I'm speaking on behalf of the SHARE team with Judy and uh, uh, Becky that all the gifts for our Christmas families, every single gift was fulfilled, I believe. Thank you so much for doing that. That is a praise. Those were delivered, Judy, I think last, late last week or early last week on Tuesday. And so thank you for doing that. That provided some families Christmas, but it also got to share the gospel with them. So thank you for that privilege. And lastly, we are uh, well ahead of our $1,500 goal for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We're almost, I believe, to close to $1,700 in that range. So thank you for your faithful giving to support international missions. And Luke, I, I'm going to point you out again. If you would just wave. Uh, I know Luke does not like attention, but uh, Luke, you came halfway across the world to see your family. We'll be hearing from him uh, later uh, next week. But Luke, brother, it's good to see you. And uh, many of you pray for Luke, and it is an honor and a joy to partner with him in ministry. I just want to say that. So, brother, uh, anytime, you're welcome. So, thanks for doing that. And uh, are you still jet lagged? I think I'm through it. All right. Praise the Lord. That's good. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, you know, I was trying to come up with a catchy illustration this morning, and I'll, I'll see what you do with this one. But uh, there's a story about a young man or an old man whose name was Jim, and he was leaving church after Christmas morning service. And uh, this particular church is like ours. They have a shake the pastor's hand as you leave sort of thing, uh, the, the conga line as we go out. And the pastor just went up to him and said, Jim, it's good to see you, but I, it, you need to join the army of the Lord and uh, we need to see you every Sunday, not just once a year at Christmas. And uh, Jim responded very wisely. He looked at the pastor straight in the eye. He said, Pastor, I am in the army of the Lord. Thank you very much. And he said, well, why do we only see you once a year at Christmas Eve and occasionally on Christmas? 
And he looked right in the pastor's eye again, and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm in the Lord's secret service. Let that be what it is. And, you know, this is not a knock. If you're visiting once a year, please come anytime. You are welcome. But I think it really goes to show how easily, as a culture, we have made church attendance just a thing you do when it's necessary to do or traditional to do, isn't it? It's almost as if people simply lack the resolve to follow Jesus in April or May or especially in October when the Royals are playing because they want to see them win the World Series again and again and again. They'd like to, but going all in requires a motivation that goes beyond sometimes what people have to offer. I think you can understand that. And I've been surrounded by those types of people in my life. They, they, there's folks who follow Jesus when it's easy, when they're a part of a group of friends. Youth groups are especially for this. Uh, as a former youth pastor, there's, a, there's this energy you get when you're around people who love Jesus. But when that fades away, when you graduate and go to college, sometimes that fades with it. When sometimes it doesn't naturally fit their lifestyle to follow Christ. It's hard. Or they lack the verb to do it when it's hard, but they, 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 they think that by leaving that it's going to be easier when actually it's like a fish trying to swim upstream. Some folks keep going when there's no one standing behind them, and, and they are able to putter out eventually because they have no motivation. They're not part of a local church. There's so many scenarios, so many stories of people who when it asks that question, why is it so hard to follow Jesus? The answer sometimes is as individual as they are. But friends, I want to remind you the verses that I was reminded of you a couple weeks ago from Psalm 130 that says this. It says, and he shall redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. If you think back through all the story of all that we've studied in December, it is about a people who were waiting for a Savior who weren't always faithful to the Lord, were they? They were very much similar to those people I just described. They would follow the God of Israel when it was convenient, but when things got bad, they would, they would cry out to him and, and say, Lord, why didn't you save us? And he would say, because you never sought me in the first place. But God in his grace would save them time and time and time again, wouldn't he? And he's so grateful to do that, and he forgives us from our sins. I don't think it's any life lesson for you, but to actually follow Jesus like we're going to look at as Joseph and Mary is a very difficult thing. You coming on a Sunday morning, as foggy as it is, is saying to the world that you value something different than most people on a day like this. But it ushers us into a question. Why is it so difficult to follow Jesus? Why? I mean, doesn't John 10.10 10 tell us that life is come and to live it more abundantly, we're to live through Christ? Absolutely. Psalm 16.11 says that in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. I mean, who, who wouldn't want that? And Psalm 84 verse 10 tells us it's better one day in the Lord's presence than 10,000 elsewhere. So why are we not getting this picture? Why are churches at any time, of any day, of any place not filled to capacity with the way they should be? Friends, it's a very tough thing to follow Jesus. It is a very tough thing. But why is it important to remember to count the cost of following Christ, even on a Christmas day here at Tower View Baptist Church in 2016? Why is it? Because the big idea comes straight from that. If you're visiting with us, the big idea is simply this. It says the grandest works for God are frequently done during the dimmest and most demanding of days. Friends, why is it so hard to follow Jesus? Why is it easier to be the secret service for Jesus than it is to be the army of Jesus, if you can use those phrases? It's because we often forget that God does not always give us days of joy, does he? God doesn't always give us days of peace, does he? Actually, this time of year, as celebratory as it is, this is one of the hardest times of year for many people. 
Many of you have lost loved ones this time of year. So every holiday season, it's very difficult. Many of you have family members who've divorced during this time of year or who have uh, whatever it is. We will always remember, even though it's going to, by the Lord's grace, be a, a great thing. We will always remember uh, that we will visit the, on December 16th, visit our son Seth in the hospital. We'll always remember that in, in, in that sort of way. But friends, why is it hard to follow Christ? I mean, is it just a hoax? I mean, did, did God say these great promises, follow me and you'll have great joy and all of a sudden you live this life for five days and find that's not true? It's kind of like a new car. You know, you pay $50,000. That's a lot of money. $50,000 for a new car and as soon as you roll it off the lot, it's worth like 20000 Is that how the Christian life is really like? Friends, not at all. The Christian life is a hard life, but it's a life focused on who Christ is and what he has called us to do. So with that in mind, we're going to look at two things briefly this morning. We are going to look at why is it so difficult to follow Jesus from the story of Joseph and Mary. But what we're going to look at what following Christ looks like. And then we're going to look at where the strength to follow him comes from. And I just want to remind you that this is right in the middle of Joseph and Mary's uh, betrothal, their engagement. And this engagement was so serious that to break it off would be the death for Mary if she was found to have had uh, sexual intercourse outside of her marriage. Uh, this is a very serious time. And Joseph is being racked with these decisions. Do I divorce her quietly and just put her away? Or do I give her the ultimate punishment of being stoned? It's very tough. But if you ask Jesus' first followers what they would do, they would probably say, man, this isn't worth it. Who's this Jesus guy? But when they experienced who Jesus is, as many of you have, they were willing to count the cost and move from the secret service to the regular regiment of who God has called them to be. Why is following Jesus so hard? Let's look at that today. If you'll join me in standing, if you're able, in honor of God's word, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Very familiar verses for most of you. Many of you have read these literally hundreds of times. May God give us fresh insight by his spirit to the truth of his word this morning. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be the child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just or a righteous man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Hang on to that verse, folks. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name what? Jesus. That's right. Let's go before our Lord as we pray this morning. Father, on a Christmas day, I pray that you remind our hearts this morning of the great love that was founded for you, Father, to your Son. You so loved your Son that by extension you sent your Son to save us ungrateful, unwilling, rebellious people that we are. Yet, Lord, you did that in a way that was not expected, in a way that was not at all uh, in the way that they would have drew it up, Father. But, Lord, you did it in a way that was humble. You did it in a way that was completely different from the world. 
And oh Lord, what parallel we have to the way we live our Christian life from this day forward, that it is not to be of the world, it is not to be as the pattern of the world. It is hard, Lord. It's a difficult road. It's a narrow road. It's a cross-filled road. But Father, what great joy it is to suffer for you. What great joy it is to count the cost of knowing you, to worship you. Father, even in middle-class America that we are so blessed to live in, Father, may we identify ourselves in no less than the God-man Jesus Christ, your Son, incarnate Emmanuel, God with us. Father, as we study how Joseph was accosted with this truth, may you give us great wisdom and insight for the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, it is interesting that Joseph had to believe the impossible to risk everything on it. You don't just believe that Jesus is who he says he is and do what Joseph did because to do so, you would cost you everything. I mean, there is a lot of sacrifices that go into being a Christian. Many of you have done that so much. Many of you have done that financially. You have given more than you ever thought you would. Many of you said, perhaps before you were a Christian, why do you give to the church? I mean, isn't that funny? I mean, if you're not a Christian and you look at the church, you give whatever percentage back to the church, to the Lord, that sounds really funny to the world outside. And Joseph, in a similar way, was remembering these promises as we will go through this whole thing. But the only reason that you do that is because you believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that his promises are true and his kingdom is eternal. Friends, if you lack confidence in God's promises, you will throw some guilt money in the plate, so to speak, of your offering to Christ from time to time, but you'll never give in a substantial way. And what we are going to see here with Joseph is that he had to count the cost. He had to ask the question, what does it mean to follow this baby Jesus? What does it mean to follow everything that is said about him? Look, many of you today are struggling with many things in your life because you have not gone all in with God himself. Many of you are struggling to forgive family members this time of year. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I don't know what your dinner table will look like today, but I'm sure politics will be one of those questions that comes up even eight weeks after or seven weeks after the election. But some of you are, will meet family members today that you just have trouble forgiving. You just, ooh, man, you just can't get over them. You just cannot get over them. They, they did something wrong to you, and you will not let that go. Friends, without trusting God all in, without counting the cost, taking the high road, you will never see what it means to follow like Joseph did and like we are to follow Christ like he did. The only way you can do that is seeing God's forgiveness is bigger than yours and God's ability to work all things for his greater good than yours is better in the end thing. Look, following Jesus is a tough, tough thing. And that's why, first off, you have to trust and fully obey. You have to trust and fully obey. Friends, Joseph had to fully obey. He was ready, wasn't he? We read in the passage that he was ready. He knew what he was going to do. He had in his mind, I'm going to divorce her quietly. But he had to look and say, after this dream, I can't do that anymore. We said a couple weeks ago that the language in the Greek here is such that Joseph had already planned out. Many, how many of you are planners in here? Many of you plan things five years in advance, and you, you have reservations that make us all look silly because we can't think five minutes in advance. That's how many of you are. Joseph had a major life decision. My future wife is pregnant. I don't know if it is with another man. I, 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 something is happening here, but I'm just going to do the right thing and put her away. But he had to trust and fully obey that God, when he came to him in that dream through the angel, was exactly what he had to do. 
Many of you this morning, God has told you to do something. God has said, go this way. God has reminded you time and time again through the word, through Christians, through, through a song on the radio that he may providentially, sovereignly use in your life to do something. And you have said, yeah, I'll get to that tomorrow. And isn't it funny how often when you put things aside that God has told you to do, that he often brings those things right back to your face the very next day? If that's never happened to you, I pray it does soon. Because, you know, it, it, we were going through, I'll just share very briefly, Friday, uh, Scarlett got sick. We went to down to the Blue Springs to get her uh, ears checked out, double ear infection. Uh, my credit card broke on the way, so we couldn't do that anymore. Uh, the low tire light on the van came on. Uh, it took an hour at the pharmacy. Uh, Simeon's going nuts in the back. And on the radio, they were doing a sermon. And it was, you know, uh, it was something to the effect of, have you prayed about this? And the pastor, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm the pastor. I pray about this stuff all the time, you know. And you can ask Natalie, what a reminder that God throws things in your face. And as I was going through these points in my head, trust and fully obey. Darren, you know what you need to do in this moment. Pray. But what are you doing? You're complaining. Your credit card broke. Walgreens, why are you taking so long? How in the world could she get a double ear infection with a kid in the hospital? And why in the world is our light back on? I just filled it up five miles ago at Quick Trip. Why did that work that way? Friends, following Jesus sometimes is hard. And that's not, that's a drop in the bucket to people who give their lives for Christ. My point is, is that to follow Christ, we have to trust and obey even in the simple things that God gives us. Joseph had a dream from God himself. But he had to follow what Christ told him in that dream. He had to count the cost of many things that he did not want to do. Second thing you need to do and remember is that following Jesus, really following him, meant absolute trust in an unseen God. And that involves, secondly, accepting the consequences. Mary's out-of-wedlock pregnancy put her under a literal death sentence in the Jewish law. She should have been stoned. Bring out the big boulders, the small rocks. But beyond that, Mary and Joseph had to die their good name. Can you imagine that? Joseph was a righteous man. He wanted everything. His name was worth everything. His character was worth everything. He had worked hard to preserve his name. They had cherished dreams. But now, to do this, what God said, required accepting the consequences of following Jesus as he said. Friends, some of you, God is going to direct to go overseas and and your parents may not understand. Young people, God may call you to be a missionary someday, and your parents may look at you and say, you're nuts. You want to go to Afghanistan? Really? What? You want to go to Africa? What? Congo? What? It's crazy. Friends, there are many things that God will call you to do that people will say, are you, are you absolutely out of your mind? And at some times you're going to say, yeah, I really am, but Jesus is worth it. Look. Luke 14, 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. And Jesus here is not talking about delinquency and being a father or husbands or actual feelings of hate, but God makes you a better one of those and gives you a greater love for him as you fill out all those responsibilities in your life. Friends, this kind of preaching doesn't grow a church usually. In fact, on a Christmas morning, this type of preaching usually shrinks the church if you want to be honest about it. But the fact of the matter is, we are talking about the abundant life of Christ. And for Joseph and Mary, then and only, Joseph had not only to trust and obey, okay, God, my wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and I'm not to divorce her, and now my good name is gone, my business is probably gone, everything I've worked for is out the window. Where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? And it comes down to the third thing. 
to truly follow Jesus, what it looks like through the eyes of Joseph, we have to remember that we have to deny ourselves thirdly. Look at verse 25, folks. Let me just be very practical. Look at verse 25. It says, but uh, he, Joseph, knew her not until she had given birth to a son. For Folks, I don't need to spell out for you what that word know really means. It means intercourse, man to woman. Not only did he have to wait a year of engagement before they could consummate the marriage, so to speak, but he waited a whole nother year probably after that as they were running around trying to get out of Dodge to go down to Egypt. That's significant, friends, because she was pregnant. He didn't know her. They were engaged for you. He didn't know her. And yet during all this time, he was denying one of the, uh, the, uh, the high points of a marriage, all because he trusted this God to work in his life never thought about that as being counting the cost of following Jesus on a Christmas morning, did you? But following Jesus means following him in ways you may not think. We have singles that aren't willing in this day and age to wait to have intercourse until they are married. And Joseph was married and waited to have intercourse because it was the will of God for him. It was the best thing for him. Try and tell that to a young college student as he walks down the college campus at any campus and, and uh, it's a hard thing you're going to follow Jesus, you have to consent to do things his way, even if it means denying yourself some things you might otherwise have. What a tough truth that is. Friends, we have couples listening, or will listen to this on the internet, who may be living together and uh, just cannot put down that that desire to live together under the Lord uh, until they are married. And if you're going to have Jesus in your family, you're going to have to do things his way. See how hard this was for them? wow. Friends, I don't know what it is for you this week. I don't know what it looks like for you this week to follow Jesus. It might start in just a couple hours at your lunch. Uh, your dinner, you know, we always do lunch or dinner at one o'clock, which is amazing because you fall asleep and you get to watch the football game and all that fun stuff. But I don't know what it is for you. It may be that you have to deny yourself the privilege of something you consider dear in the body of Christ for the sake of a weaker brother or sister in Christ. That may be what you're called to do. Finally, what did Joseph teach us about following Christ? He teaches us, lastly, to be willing to embrace untimeliness. Do you realize how much Jesus' birth complicated life? I mean, I know, I, let's be honest here. Babies do that, right? Babies, babies cry. Flashpoint to you, babies cry. I have a good friend of mine. We visited his sister the other night, and uh, he's a... He's a several of my jewel friends will know who this is, but he was a, just a top of the class, just one of those guys, and he just, he's going to be a doctor here. He just got married. They're having two kids within 10 months, or like 11 months, I mean, back to back. I mean, boom, 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 boom. And he told his sister who we were visiting the other night, he said, I, don't, I just don't understand why babies cry. This is Dr. So-and-so from prestigious universities, and he's a brilliant man, but he just can't turn off the fact that babies cry. Babies messed up life. Can you imagine what Joseph was feeling? He had all this great business. He married this beautiful young woman, getting ready to do all these things. And then all of a sudden, his relationships with his family were messed up. Joseph, you're marrying that woman who's pregnant before you had, before you were married. Joseph, what are you doing? Are you crazy, his friends would say? And can you imagine the business that he would have lost because of the, the social uh, criteria that was put on him at that day? Count the cost. Eventually, he had to move and start over. Friends, serving Jesus is rarely 
convenient. In fact, it's the most untimely of calls that often turn in the greatest ministry opportunities. I'm looking at some of our deacons here. Uh, Lauren and, and Don, I'm going to pick on you for a second, uh, brothers. Uh, these two men, Don and Lauren, have been deacons at, on and off for 50-some years, 40, 50 years. They'll be retiring here in about a week or so. They're, we're not going to let them, but they're going to anyway. That's how we do it. Uh, but you know, these men have been called on, as of all of our deacons, of late-night calls, of counseling, of things you'll never see from the pulpit or hear. Men, thank you for serving so faithfully. Many of you serve in this church in ways that no one will ever see or do, but God knows. And that's why many people don't volunteer in the church. You ever think about that? Well, I work hard all week and I've got kids. Yeah, well, I look forward to hearing you how you explain that to Mary. Well, my church had the audacity, someone might say, to ask me to help take care of my own kids once a month. Mary's like, yeah, I had to bear a son for nine months who wasn't even mine and eventually had to flee the country because of him. But you tell me your story, oh great man of faith. Tell me how you did this very thing. Friends, the people of that day were challenged at what was happening in Mary. And Joseph had to count the cost. Friends, sharing Christ is rarely convenient either, is it? How often have you been on a plane or driving on a train or uh, somewhere and you've been at the checkout line and someone just drops the name Jesus? Oh God, don't do that to me right now. I'm tired. I got to get to work. Lord, I don't have time for this. Have you ever been there before? It happens. Or they're your neighbors and you want to walk across the street and be like, Lord, I just want to live in a house where I don't have to tell anyone about Jesus. You know, I, I just don't want to do that. I'm tired and I would so rather not get to share the name of Christ. How easy that is. But we have to say at those times, oh, Lord, I'm yours. At least I'm going to knock on this door and start a conversation. Or, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Help me to be faithful. And Joseph immediately obeyed what God told him to do what God told him to do. Friends, four things you see in Joseph that are key to us. He trusted and obeyed absolutely. He accepted the sentence of death. He self-denied. He was willing to embrace inconvenience for the strength of the gospel, for the strength of the gospel. So where do you get the strength? Where do you get the strength? Joseph had a moment where he had to decide, is this what I'm going to do or is this not what I'm going to do? Where do you get that strength? Is it found in the weight room? Is it found in running long distance? Is it found in mental preparation and yoga? Not at all. What is important to remember, friends, is that the strength came from the Lord. The strength came from the Lord. Joseph didn't have an emotional moment of surrender. This was the beginning of a lifestyle of those four things. It was a willful choice that he made to get it right. I mean, think of it this way. It's like this parachute person you're going to see up on the screen. Say right before you boarded a long flight back to Europe, and and Luke, I wasn't even thinking of you when I put in Europe here, but uh, you you get on a long flight to Europe and you board it and you're handed one of those backpack parachutes and you're told to wear it and you don't really think about how useful it is until the plane starts heading down really fast. And aren't you grateful in that moment that you have a parachute to jump out like the airborne division in the army and do the army thing? Yeah, you are. You really are. Because it's really important because unless you get this, you'll never make it. Friends, or if I told you one of you girls that over the next year, your waistline was going to increase by six inches and you were going to gain 10 pounds, there is no way you would be excited, would you? Well, some of you would because that good news is the very thing that you're going to rejoice about because it means you're pregnant. And you put up with that lost figure and extra weight gladly because the joy that you will have. 
You say, well, wait a minute, it's, it's more like six inches or 10 pounds. I don't know. My wife gained some weight, but she's still the most beautiful person I know. What is the point? The point of it is all you have the capacity to sacrifice. All of us do, especially for Christ. But it has to do with your perception of or awareness of the reward. Friends, whatever Christ calls you to suffer through this coming year, this Christmas day, have you counted the cost? Is Christ worth it? Or is he not? But where does the strength come from? Let's close with this last point and we'll be done. Where does the strength to follow Jesus come from? I see two of them here in this, this, this passage. Verse 23 says, and I want you to look at this word, and, and many of you who know the Greek will immediately know where this is headed. But in verse 23, it says the word behold, edu, behold. It's almost like those old guys back in England that they used to come out and say, hear ye, hear ye. And they used to be the town squire. You know those guys? I used to take the trumpet and blow it, or it's the, uh, it's the big uh, YouTube video announcement of something coming. The, the word behold here means look at this, because when you see what we're about to look at, you will find the strength to follow Christ in every situation, as did Joseph, as did Mary, as have every followers of Christ who have counted the cost of following him. He says in the promise, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel, God with us. The first thing you need to see, where does the strength come from? It comes from remembering that God keeps his promises. And aren't you grateful for that? This is a quote from Isaiah 7.14, and I've written out a whole bunch of stuff. I'll summarize it for you. But originally, this was a quotation given to King Ahaz in Judah when the armies of Syria were about to attack and destroy the kingdom. But Ahaz was so wicked and he knew it, he didn't feel like he could ask God for help, so he despaired. And this king came to hear a word from the prophet Isaiah that God was not going to allow the kingdom to be destroyed, but because God wanted to keep his promise. And Isaiah tells Ahab that God is going to give him a sign. Well, unbelievably, King Ahaz does not want this sign. He says, I want nothing to do with this God. But then he says, nope, don't give me a sign. And Isaiah says, well, you don't get to make the rules. Here's your sign. You can see this back and forth. God is going to accomplish his purposes whether you want him to or not, King Ahaz. And so he says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Friends, and for 700 years, this prophecy was kind of a mystery. What's going to happen? How is this going to go down? Because King Ahaz says a young woman's going to get pregnant. Big deal. That happens all the time, Isaiah, the prophet. What's the big deal? And what King Ahaz did not realize, and what we see now, is that this promise that was given him, the strength that would come for God's people as they count the cost, was none other than God himself. Look, young women conceive all the time. And that's like saying, and it happened. And someone in Ahaz had a sign, had a baby, and that was a sign. But it didn't seem that impressive. But 700 years later, as Jesus came to this world, God says through the angel, this is exactly what I was talking about. Friends, I don't think if you could stop for one moment, I would challenge, let me just take it aside and give you a very practical thing. This coming year, I would challenge you to take a notebook and on one side put prayer, on another side put answered prayer, and you lug that thing around with you every time. How many prayers has God answered in your life within the last 24 hours? Whoever prayed for the fog, stop, okay? We got it. But seriously, 
How many things has God answered in your life time and time again? Lord, I don't know how I'm going to tell this family the bad news about what's happened to them. Lord, I pray for this family over here. They're my neighbors. I want to see them come to Christ, Lord. Give me the boldness, and he gives you that boldness. Lord, my boss is ridiculing me for my faith at work because he knows I stand for Christ. Lord, give me the words to say. How many times has he answered that prayer? Friends, this promise that was given to Ahaz 700 years before Christ was fulfilled perfectly in Jesus just as he said it was. What a great reminder to us on this Christmas morning that in the moment Joseph saw that God was faithful to keep to the fullest of the promises he made, that he trusted him. If you are struggling, believer, this morning to remember who God is, I challenge you to go back and look over your past year. Don't let Facebook do that for you. It will. Let God do that for you through his word. How has God answered your prayers this year? We prayed last year in staff, and Judy, you will remember this. We prayed last year in staff that God would begin to bring our church together. And we have seen that happen in more ways than one, haven't we, church? We pray that, God, we would meet budget. And friends, we will, we will, by God's grace and your faithful giving through his grace, meet budget and then some to fulfill some very neat, big needs in front of us. God has blessed us. We, we prayed when we first came on board here that God would save souls. We have seen almost 21 baptisms, lives changed, and are under discipleship right now in this church. What a prayer God has answered. Many of you have prayed, God work through all the messiness of my life for your glory. Many of you have grown more in Christ this past year than you have seen in the past several years of your life, not by anything we've done, but by grace. Has God been good to you, friend? Has God been good to you? He has. Where does your strength to follow him when the times are dark, when everything is overrun by our enemies, when it looks obscure? It's right there in front of you. God answers and keeps his promises. You may say, well, where is God in my life? Is God really out there? Is he really active? Friends, if God can answer the prayer of hundreds of years of prophecy, he can answer that prayer. Believe it. God can work in your life that way. The strength of your faith cannot exceed your knowledge of the promises of God. Let me say that again. The strength of your faith cannot exceed your knowledge of the promises of God. If you want a great practical recommendation, he's an old dead guy. I haven't said that phrase in like four months, right? But here's an old dead guy, Charles Spurgeon. Look this up. It's called Face Checkbook. Face Checkbook. You can get it free online. It's a promise of God he gave in the scripture each day. And Spurgeon takes that day by day, 365 days, and he applies it to your life. Face Checkbook. Check it out. Because God answers your promises. Tower View, what does God have in store for us next year? I don't know. But I know our strength to count the cost to follow him will be reminded to us when we remember his promises. Let me close with this last point. Where does your strength come from? It comes from following him, but it remembers when you remember this fact. Christ's name is above all names. Christ's name is above all names. This baby is given two names in these verses, Jesus and Emmanuel. I don't know about you, but as a kid, this always confused me, always confused me, because I wanted to know, well, which one of them is his name? I mean, think about this. Well, you know, it's kind of like you walk up to Jesus, and you say, what's your name? And he says, Jesus, uh, my middle name is Christ, but my friends, well, they call me Emmanuel. You know, you get that sort of thing going on in your mind. But you can call me Lord, really, really. That's what it really is. 
No, the first name is Jesus, and in any case, what he does. The second name, Emmanuel, is who he was. Jesus means in Hebrew, God save. Emmanuel means God with us. But in those two names, Jesus got a picture of the glory of God. The most foundational doctrine to Christianity is that Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. And he was born of a human Mary, so he was fully man. But he was virgin born, so he was in, uh, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, so he was also fully God. By the way, this doesn't mean, and I don't mean this in a silly note, but some critics this time of year will go this way. This doesn't mean God came down to have sex with Mary. That's not what happened. Uh, God did not, as some would say, uh, God did not rape Mary, if I can use such a word. I'm just trying to tell you the History Channel versions that you'll hear if you flip on those channels today. Friends, God came down to a willing soul and by the power of the Spirit did all the supernatural things to make that birth happen. It is a mystery, but friends, we've said before, we are okay with mysteries. Well, how does all that work? Guys, I don't know. But here's what I know. I believe it, and it's true. Because the Bible says so, yes, that's true. But because the Lord Jesus himself came back from the dead. Christmas is just pointing to Easter, friends. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead and he wasn't who he said he was, then of course don't believe the virgin birth. Let me just warn you very frankly, part of my job as a pastor is to, is to guard you as sheep. I am going to use his name from the pulpit. I want you to steer clear of him, and I mean this very clearly. Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son, came out yesterday and said very clearly, as a Christian pastor of a megachurch, Cross Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, that it is not important that you believe the virgin birth of Jesus Christ to be a Christian. Friends, that is hogwash. Run away from that. Steer clear of his books, steer clear of everything. He has just made himself a false teacher by stating that very thing. Friends, if you believe the scriptures, then you believe that Christ is the name above all names, and that is where your strength comes from. This is not a demigod. This is not a lesser god. This is not a god who is created in the minds of a writer. This is the god who, who said, when it said, go forth, it happened. When he said, do this, the clouds did that. When he hung the stars, they went in their places. And this is the same god that when you pray to him, is as near to you as your wife, your best friend, or anyone else in eternal power and significance and glory. That is our god. He is the only one capable to save like this, and that was God. Friends, the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are dead wrong in this. It doesn't matter how good you are. The only good one who ever died was God in Christ, and he gave his life voluntarily for us. The whole point is that Christ is God. Hang your hat on that. Friends, if the virgin birth did not happen, then guess what? Jesus isn't who he said he was. And if Jesus isn't who he said he was, then he can't be the name above all names. So why do anything for him? I mean, come on, think about that. It, it, I was watching a World War II show the other day, and there was one uh, commentary there about one of the leaders. He was, he was one of those good book leaders. He was a guy that went to West Point, and he led well in the classroom, but they put him in charge of a division in World War II uh, at the town of, of Foy in, in Belgium, and the men did not like him because they didn't respect him. And when they didn't respect him, he took him in the battle. And they told the, the, the autobiography said over and over again, this man cannot lead. He can't make decisions. And the, the visual that they showed on the video was this man. They were asking him questions. So, Sir, what do we do? What do we do? We're under attack. And he just got so bad, he just closed his eyes and cowered down just like that. Now, I cannot imagine being in war. I don't want to ever put them in that spot. But friends, our God is not a God who is indecisive about who he is. 
He's a God that decidedly said, I am coming. I'll be born of a virgin. I will do so miraculously. There will be no sin in my son, and I will live the perfect life that they cannot live. I will die the death they cannot die, and I will absorb all of God's wrath for my glory and their salvation. He's the name above all names. Amen? That is our God. That is our God. Friends, if you lack the motivation to really follow Jesus, to go all the way, to follow him with the good news, you don't need to strengthen your resolve. You need to deepen your joy in that fact that Christ is who he said he was. He is who he said he was. We don't know much more about Joseph, but the one thing we do know is that his life was set forth with counting the cost and trusting in the name that was above all names. Went a little bit off my notes, but friends, I just want to, as we close here, I just want to encourage you this Christmas season to know that if you know Jesus Christ, you are on the right side. No matter may come politically, no matter may what come economically, no matter may what come persecution-wise, no matter may what come in your family this year, if you know Christ, there is no better place to be. And friends, if Joseph had chosen the easy route, not believed the angel, divorced Mary, and cast her aside and married a different girl. Guess what? He might have gotten that storybook wedding that he wanted. He would have been on the wedding covers everywhere, TLC or whatever those stories are, uh, you know, a girl in her dress or don't mess with the dress or one of those shows or whatever that is, you know. But he would have missed out on the most important thing that was in front of him, Jesus Christ. Guess what happens if you choose the easy life today, friend? If you choose not to forgive, you choose not to count the sacrifice, you miss out on Jesus and his plan for your life. Friends, Christ is worth it, isn't he? He is worth it. If you're not a Christian here today, I just want to encourage you with that fact that the greatest hope that we have today is that Christ loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And he says that if you will if you will turn from your sin, you'll repent and believe that he is the Lord and, and that he rose so that he will save you. Repent means you agree with him that you are as bad as he says you are, that you deserve everything he says you are, and that there is nothing to save you except himself. And that is the truth. Friends, we love you so much. Smile today, smile every day, because Christ and Christ is Lord indeed. We pray with you this morning as we close.